0: Hi, I'm Casey. You're listening to You Heard Me Right, a podcast that brings people together through creativity, collaboration, and colorful conversation. On today's episode, we explore the wonders that existed at a time before we had to be, like, actually responsible for things. Now, by this point, we're sure you're more familiar with how the show works, One writer, two sound designers, artists made, conversations are had. But if you do need a more detailed refresher, episodes one through seven of You Heard Me Right are available on Spotify now. Back to the task at hand. The topic for today's show is... Magic trick. Before we meet our guest artists, we're going to pull a quick disappearing act, but we'll be right back. At Sephora, we know how you love to use makeup, skincare, hair care, and fragrances that work for you, but also how important it is to be in the know about the ingredients that are in them, which is why we created Clean at Sephora. Curated products from brands like Merit, Amica, Summer Fridays, and Fleur that have everything you want, minus certain ingredients you might not. Clean at Sephora is only at Sephora. Shop now at Sephora.com. Ladies, gentlemen and gentle them, coming to the stage first is our writer extraordinaire, the Radiant Rebecca. Hi, I'm Rebecca Suela.
2: I am a creative and an intuitive. I work as a writer, as a director, as a dramaturg and script consultant. I'm also a professor of writing, and perhaps most sort of obscurely among those things. I'm a professional tarot reader, so I work as an intuitive. I see these things as actually very much connected. I am all about self-expression and self-awareness and creating a dialogue among the various different parts of our inner lives. So I do that through story. I do that through creative consulting, through intuition,
0: and... Yeah, through teaching and supporting others to be able to do it, too. Rebecca's artistic response is entitled, One Plus One Makes Magic. When I was young,
2: my family attended a magic show. I remembered nothing of what happened on stage. What stayed with me was, instead, a little boy near me in the audience who demonstrated a magic trick of his own. He held up the index finger of his right hand, very grandly, ah, you see? Then the left hand, same gesture, so that both hands were lifted, poised, index fingers pointing toward heaven. And then, with a great burst of enthusiasm, the boy clapped his hands together, dropped his left hand to his side, and triumphantly lifted the right in a peace sign. Voila! His eyes were wide with pride, as he eagerly awaited and then received great praise for his special gifts. If not so much of masterful illusion, certainly of a wholehearted and contagious showmanship. It was a hell of a trick. But was it magic? Maybe not. Or maybe that's the wrong question. Because if it's a trick, it isn't magic. It can't be. The very best tricks are full of many things. Cunning, shrewdness, practiced skill. But not magic. What that boy did, really did, was magic because he believed so fully in the value of his trick and its power to awe and to delight, that somehow I believed it too, even as I saw straight through it. He didn't transform his fingers, his hands, but he transformed the room, and he transformed me. That boy's delight in himself that day became a memory that has delighted me for 20 years, and that, I think, is magic.
0: Rebecca, thank you for sharing that whimsical memory. Usually when I reflect upon the joys of childhood, it's in like a millennial regression. I miss not having to pay bills or make any important decisions type of way, but I like what you did better. Now that we have engaged your senses with a literary feat, we shall enchant you further with the first of our audio responses introducing the captivating Chris. Well,
3: what's going on, family? Uh, My name is Chris Lane. Some of you know me by C-Lane. I am a sound designer, a music producer, mixing engineer, mastering engineer. Um, Sometimes I do a little Dolby digital surround sound mix if I'm working on a film. And I have also been fortunate enough to be able to create a company, Multiband Studios, which is a, a company that really builds a pipeline for people of color who want to work in the theater industry.
0: Chris's musical response is entitled True Magic. Magic words inspiring magic sounds. Chris, your composition was so spellbinding. And now, for our final act, we bring to you our second audio artist of the evening, the dazzling... Dan!
1: My name is Dan Bauman. I am a theatrical sound designer, a podcaster, a musician, and an AV technician. I was lucky enough to do the pilot version of You Heard Me Right. And the first time it was, I had no idea what this was. It was a really interesting project where Casey contacted me and said, do you want to do this thing? You won't know anything, but here's a uh, a piece that was written and you have to interpret it. This time around, it's it's kind of cool because now even as we're doing this it's different than the first time and i think uh yeah I'm, i'm excited about to see what what this time around is
0: dan's soundscape is entitled nothing up my sleeve (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for that delightful sound design, reminding us of when everything used to just be so simple. But continuing to maintain a sense of childlike wonder, even when it's sometimes kind of hard to find the joy in things, shouldn't be impossible, right? I need an adult. In fact, I need three adults. Artist adults who are open to sharing their thoughts on inspiration and creation and stuff. Welcome back. We have just heard all of the artistic responses to the theme Magic Trick. Our three guest artists traveled via broomstick, teleportation and magic carpet to the treehouse, our outdoor recording safe haven that provided a brief respite from the big scary world. And on this day, we had some particularly chatty woodland creatures visiting us from the enchanted forest just FYI, enjoy our play date. Rebecca, Chris, and Dan, your artistic responses were magical AF. Nice. Rebecca, <laughs> nice. what are your thoughts after hearing these sound pieces? Um, it was so
2: interesting. It's um, I wasn't sure what to expect in terms of kind of like how literal the story would be. and I felt like both pieces were a really interesting blend of like what to me felt like very literal elements because I know it, obviously. Um, so I went I was kind of on this journey of going back and forth between, ah, this this is that piece. this is that part, like getting my bearings while also dipping off into like, what would this feel like? What would this mean? What would this connote? if I didn't know the story that we were talking Mm -hmm. about. Like, how would that experience be altered? What would it feel like? But really, very cool, very cool. I think both really captured similar and different essences of what I was feeling in in the initial story.
3: Uh, Yeah, I know for me when I read it, um, I didn't go in thinking about what I was going to compose because because um, because of what I do, like I could have um, I could have just done a different genre of instrumentation. You know, I could have done something along the lines what I love, what Dan did, which is like really create like this world and this environment and this soundscape. Um, but when I read it, I got a cinematic mood and a cinematic feel. Um, And it seemed so—because I feel like sometimes when we're dealing with children, there's so much lightness and so much heart, but it's also very dramatic at Mm -hmm. the same time, right? Because whatever they are believing, they believe 1,000%. Mm -hmm. Um, So whatever gesture, this gesture of the hand and this clap and um, and this, you know, peace sign, like it's so—each moment holds so much— weight and significance to what's going on in their head hmm. um so that's what definitely prompted me uh to play to that and i find it interesting that dan and i used um this very specific like almost twinkle this t- yeah. <laughs> you know yeah
2: yeah
3: the universal magic sound everybody <laughs> knows what it is and clearly we do too um So so, yeah, I mean, that definitely stuck out. I thought it was a beautiful um, piece uh, that you wrote, Rebecca, and I think it definitely highlighted like what true magic really is or what it could be. Um, It definitely opened me up to a different perspective of how to look at, you know, just just what we conceptualize as as magic. So, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah what I
1: what I loved about what you did was you basically scored it you you, uh, you made a soundtrack to the piece I could see what was going on and hear you, you like a film score almost yeah. yep I don't do abstract real well I'm a I'm I do theater so I'm like I have to tell that story so I was like can I tell Rebecca's story and it's interesting because I got a female vibe off of it I was like I for some reason, I think this protagonist is a, is a little girl. So I kind of rolled with that. But um, I wanted to see if I could tell that story with just sounds, with mm. just sound effects and no dialogue and see if I could get there and and transmit the ideas. And I played it... For people first and then let them read it and they're like oh yeah once you know what it is it you can see every every beat of it so. yeah
2: totally totally <laughs> and i love that you re- use the word protagonist because what is kind of coming clear to me and listening to both of you is that chris your response is very much the inner experience of the boy
3: Yes. And your response
2: yes. is very much the inner experience yes. of the audience, of Ooh. the observer of the boy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of of what I pick up on as kind of the, those similar differences in mm-hmm. the experience. Both of your pieces and your responses are in the room. They're just in different seats in the room.
1: Mm. Interesting. That's great. Yeah, I've always said our brains are way smarter than we are thousand percent yeah like it it, you know um i recently i'm a musician and uh we my band hasn't played in months and we booked a wedding an outdoor wedding just for a friend and literally got on the stage and was like i don't remember this song at all and just stepped back and let my brain yes play i was like okay go and watched my hands play this song that i didn't remember how to Mm -hmm. play because it was in there. Yeah. The information yeah. was in there. And I just allowed my brain to take it over and take care of it.
3: And that's the power of creativity, right? Like, Because mm-hmm. cre- when you think about creativity as a... Basically, it's a seed from the ether, right? Mm-hmm. It's a seed mm-hmm. that just comes to us. And the more we wait on that seed or delay that seed, the more corrupt it becomes. And it, I don't mean corrupt in like... Oh, whatever you put out is going to be terrible, but corrupt in the sense where it is now influenced Mm -hmm. by a lot of outside things, by outside perspectives, by uh, time crunches, you know, by all of these worldly things. But the more we can be in tune with the direct seed of creativity mm-hmm. and putting it out as soon as we feel that seed right whether we're playing an instrument and we can play that seed as we're getting it whether we're designing something and we can you know play the keys on that seed as soon as we're getting it or if we're writing something and we can literally write there with a pen or or a keyboard as soon as we're getting that seed so much more authentic it's gonna be
1: now when you get the yeah. question like oh how did you do that how did you come up with that Every time I'm asked that question, like working on a show or a song or anything, my answer is always, I have no idea. It just happened. And that's not acceptable to a lot of people. How do you respond to that question?
2: I mean, I think that that's really a lot about people's frameworks of prioritizing rationality and prioritizing causality and seeing mm. that as sort of like... Um, The only way. Yeah. Yeah. The only way and the only justifiable way. Right. Like if I can't understand it, it does not exist. It doesn't have validity. (laughs) Um, It's this like hyper, hyper rationality um, to the exclusion of it's actually, I'm going to take a like sidebar here because when you were talking about like your brain, Mm -hmm. it's so interesting to me. I was like, "Mm, that's not quite, that's not quite the word that I would use because I would say I am smarter than my brain. But for me, it's because the, when I talk about the brain, I'm talking about what you're calling I, the ego self, the conscious self. And so I think, um, there are many, many, many people because broadly, this is what our culture prioritizes and presents to us that value consciousness to the absolute detriment of the unconscious. And I think that's mm. kind of what we're talking mm. about in this creativity on your side, Chris, or my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about the, the unconscious aspect of it and the union of the two, I think, when consciousness can say yes yeah. to the invitation from the unconscious then we have an interaction and that's what I call the, the I, mm-hmm. right? For me, that's the the wholeness of the thing is when there's two parts of ourselves, the seen and the unseen, the comprehensible and the not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's what I'm after. And, and I think that's where I create no, from.
3: I, I love that perspective. Um, and that makes me think of how I've set, sort of set up my home studio space, right? Because my home studio space to me is a place where there are so many creativity toys, Um, whether it's, you know, a keyboard or whether it's a computer that's already set up where I can do stuff at, or whether it's a whiteboard or a chalkboard or something, right? Because I wanna get more in tune with that unconscious, Mm -hmm. you know, that subconscious, Inspiration before it gets clouded by the conscious too much. So the more that, as a creator, the more that I can set myself up with um, very tangible means of bringing that creativity into the real world as soon as possible. Yeah. You
1: know, I feel like the the better and more authentic it'll be. Sometimes that's that's all it takes. It's that the hardest part is that first step. And then it'll just, the creativity will start snowballing on top of itself. For me, at least, personally. Like, it, the hardest part is looking at the blank screen or the blank page. And once I just do something, people people ask, oh, what's the hardest part? I, I say, just do something. And then it'll inform you as to which direction you need to go. And it'll tell you what it, want, what it needs to be. And, uh, like, I'll get lost editing sound cues. I'll look up and it'll. I'll be there for four hours and yeah. not even notice it. And yeah. it, but it's just because I started, and that's that's the. I think the most important part of the creative process is just do something, and it'll it'll take you where it needs to go.
3: Yeah, I feel like if you're not in a position where you can zone out mm-hmm. creatively then you might need to just stop and take a break. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if you're not zoned out, you might be somewhere in between, but a lot of people find themselves on the side of the spectrum of just thinking, is this right at every mm-hmm. moment? You Self-editing know. all yes. the time. All yeah. the time mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where it's no longer from the creative heart anymore. It's just lo- it's just logical,
2: mm-hmm. right? And you're actually like bullying your your creativity. <laughs> exactly. Like right. you're, there's right. this thing going on in your brain, which is that like this very pure sort of creative child spark within you. It's like, well, what about this? And then your inner critic or your ego or whatever you personally call it comes back and is like, that's stupid and everyone hates you. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. how many times? Yeah. Like, God damn, I don't know if we're allowed to curse, but like, wow, yes. Um, How magically resilient is that creative spark, that spirit Mm, to come back from that again and again and again and again? Um, And also, who can blame him when he's like, I need a nap. You're mean. (laughs) You're really mean and Mm -hmm. I'm not playing anymore. So, yeah, that step of ego surrender, whether you do it through taking the action or whether you do it through the conscious choice to not act on this right now um, that that willingness to surrender that part of your brain that needs to be fully in charge I do think is absolutely key
1: mm-hmm.
2: to jump in, jumping in the damn river I also think yeah. that
1: uh to a degree, we're all just addicts. We, we do a thing and once it, and we, we do it until we're exhausted. And then like, at least for me with doing theater, you know, the show opens and you're exhausted and you're like, I got to get away from it. And then turn around and it's like, oh, I got a new one to work on. And you start again and you do that whole process over and over and over. You're just chasing, the, chasing that high of how amazing it can be to, mm. to release something and let people see it and experience it. Um, and going back to what Chris was saying, I know for myself working on a show, uh, I have to, at a certain point, literally walk away. Like I have to stop because if not, I will keep tweaking until I completely destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> like burn it to the ground because I'm trying to fix it and make it perfect. And at a certain mm-hmm. point I have to be like, it's, it's, it's there. It's there. Walk away. Walk away. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The trust.
1: And I mean, even even with, create,
3: with creating the piece that I did for Magic Trick, it was that same feeling. I was like, at one level, you know, you sit down with a piece and you're like, oh, this is good. And then you come back and listen to it and it's like, oh, this is wrong. I could do this differently. I could do this differently. And then I'm like, oh, no, but I shouldn't tell that to my creative child. Let me just like, nope, nope. Let me like literally Export it and send it before I corrupt this thing. Mm-hmm, exactly. Because I could sit here for hours and be like, Oh, I need to EQ this different. I need to put in a different instrument here. That's too loud. That's mm-hmm. too soft. You know, I could bring in that logical brain, but I could also just send it. Yeah. And let it be what it's gonna be. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I can tell you my inner child really needed this pep talk because she is kind of a brat. (laughs) Join us for the next episode of You Heard Me Right, when a master improviser, electroacoustic musician, and multi-hyphenate audio producer make a pit stop. And that's no joke. Or is it? We'll hear you later. Heard Me Right is a Spotify Sound Up original series and was workshopped as part of the Sound Up Accelerator program at Spotify headquarters in New York City. From Could Be Pretty Cool Productions, this episode was produced and edited by Casey Willis with help from Cooper Skinner and Jacob McCoy. Mixing and sound design by Cooper Skinner. Our executive producers are Casey Willis, Cooper Skinner, and Lexi McKay. Our writer and story editor is Caroline Baxter, and our production accountant is Simone Brown. Special thanks to Greg at Listen Up Audio, Kanye Willis, Remy, and Bema. From Spotify, executive producers Gina Delvac, Baron Farmer, Natalie Tuluk, and Jane Zumwalt. For more information about today's guest artists, visit us at Pod. Dot com or follow us on IG at right Pod. Thanks for listening.